Welcome to Season 13 of the Kol Hadash Podcast, featuring the literary readings and responses, as well as, of course, the sermons of Rabbi Adam Shalom. Season 13 episodes are from the High Holiday Services from the Jewish year 5784 or 2023 CE. And the theme this year is relationship status. It's complicated. Dating is bad practice for marriage. Most of the time when you start dating, you put on your best face. You act how you think will be attractive to the other. You plan witty conversation. Dating is hard work. You may avoid arguing because any disagreement could be the end. And you might avoid conflict because you'd rather stay in a so-so dating relationship than be alone. When I meet couples getting married, I hear again and again that their first dates were surprisingly easy. The conversation just flowed. They felt amazingly comfortable. It was like they were in a relationship rhythm right away. It was a natural fit. Each of them was their honest selves. They let their guard down and their quirks show. And the other person still wanted more. No relationship is entirely smooth. As an old Yiddish saying has it, the smoothest way is full of stones. As engagement becomes wedding, wedding becomes marriage, marriage becomes family, and individuals continue to grow in their own ways, there will be new challenges, new complications. That partnership that grew to love and then to marriage was the beginning of a real relationship. And real relationships start with truly seeing and meeting each other. Real relationships can be complicated. In fact, real relationships should be complicated because people are complicated. Today, it seems like the world is on fire. Compared to huge issues like our relationship to the Jewish past and Jewish tradition, or the battle between thinking for ourselves and groupthink, or the split between American Jews and Israel, Getting along better with each other seems like small potatoes. Why am I not talking about the global democracy disaster, or climate change, or the ongoing refugee crisis? There's enough in the big picture to give anyone an anxiety attack. Here is why the small picture is important. If you are in a mental health moment, the first thing they say to do is to make sure the basics of self-care are covered before opening the big issues. Are you eating regularly? Are you sleeping? Are you taking your medication? Are you exercising? Are you staying clean? Because if you are not eating or on your meds or sleeping, how can you fix anything else? The basic building block of community and family, even a sense of ourself, is relating to other people. So we need to make sure that is working before turning to any step two. Some social media platforms let you indicate your relationship status. Single, married, divorced, it's complicated. That last one has been the theme of our high holiday explorations of the human and the Jewish condition. If we are honest, any of the other answers should also be labeled, it's complicated. You can be married, and it's complicated. Single, and it's complicated. 
No one disputes that being divorced is complicated. Our relationships should be in-depth, multi-layered, rich, and challenging. Of course, not every acquaintance needs to be a deep, complicated relationship. You can just smile and nod or chit-chat with your regular waiter, your supermarket checkout clerk, your bus driver. Some people have many close friends, others just a few. Each one of those deeper relationships means more of ourselves revealed, more emotional capital invested, greater risk, but also greater reward. As investment advisors always say, past results are no guarantee of future returns. But nothing ventured, nothing gained either. Other people can be really difficult. My work as a rabbi would be much easier if it were not for all the people. <laughs> of course, without the people, there would be no work. I love that I get to work with people of all ages, from baby namings to funerals and everything in between. I love that other people welcome me into the most intimate and challenging moments. I love that I get to witness the family dynamics and the special connections behind the scenes, up close and personal. Working with families through these stressful moments can be complicated because people are complicated. They have emotions. They get offended and upset. They hold grudges. They like some people and they do not like other people. They do not always share or play well with others or clean up after themselves. They want attention and they pout if they do not get it. And they want what they want when they want it. And children can be even more challenging. <laughs> I sometimes remind couples getting married that the original symbolism of the chuppah, the wedding canopy, was not the spreading of angels' wings nor a representation of the home they were building together. Because Jewish weddings were traditionally held outside, the chuppah represented the chance of rain. In other words, every day together will not be your wedding day, full of joy and excitement and special moments. There will always be more dishes to wash. There is always more laundry. There will be miscommunications and disagreements Moments when one of you wants to be alone and the other one wants quality time. Priority conflicts and differing parenting styles that need negotiating. Just as Jewish culture is a response to the human experience, so too are all cultures in the world. I was once celebrating a wedding between a Jewish partner and an Irish partner, and I learned, because they wanted this in their ceremony, the tradition of a wedding bell. A Celtic tradition that you ring a bell during your wedding ceremony, and then that bell lives on the mantle of your home, so that at any point in the future, if there is a disagreement, if you're feeling a disconnection, either partner can go to the mantle to ring that bell and remind you of that moment in your life when you truly loved and were living for each other. It's a timeout. It's a break. But it's also accepting that relationships are naturally complicated, and it's trying to deal with it in a productive and a positive way. Other people can be difficult because their brains work differently than ours. Sometimes that can be very helpful. They can pack a suitcase or load a car trunk way better than we can. They can do math in their head amazingly fast. They remember names and faces and relationships that we forget. It can be annoying when the other person finds in 15 seconds what you have been looking for for 15 minutes but it's definitely helpful. 
It's more than just having another set of hands and eyes to work together. It's having a different set of hands and eyes and thoughts to complement our own. That difference can also create problems. Other people's brains just work differently than ours, and it's impossible to see the world exactly how they see it, with their experiences and their perspectives and their emotional responses. Sometimes we have to hammer out together what reality actually is between our different perspectives before we decide what we want to do about it. If we try to solve the problem first, we won't even agree what the problem is. There is no one type of personality, just as there is no one correct thermostat setting that is right for everyone. In this room, at least one person is too hot, at least one person is too cold, and at least one person is just fine. The realization that people are different is not a modern insight. One of the earliest collections of rabbinic teachings, Pirkei Avot, has a kind of personality test describing four types of people in different aspects. As I read a few of these, consider which one are you and which one is the other person to whom you are closest. Question one, character. There are four types of character in people. One says, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. This is ordinary. One says, What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. This is foolish. One says, what is mine is yours, and what is yours is yours. This is the saint. And one says, what is mine is mine, and what is yours is mine. This is the wicked. Ignore for a moment the moral judgment of wicked or saint. Which one is your impulse, and which one is theirs? Mine is mine and yours is yours, or mine is yours and yours is yours, or mine is mine and yours is mine. There is a time for each of these, a time to be generous and a time to stand up for ourselves and what we need. Our impulse might not be what we ultimately do or say, but our impulse might be what we blurt out before we think or what we assume any normal person would say or do, whatever normal is. Understanding our tendencies is an important step to becoming the person we want to be from the person we currently are. Question two, temperament. There are four kinds of temperaments. One who is easy to anger and easy to pacify gains what is lost. One who is hard to anger and hard to appease loses what is gained. One who is hard to anger and easy to pacify is a saint. And one who is easy to anger and hard to appease is wicked. I know people like each of those four. Which are you? Which are the people close to you? Get mad fast, but also calm down fast? Get mad slowly, but then be calm slowly once you are mad? Get mad slowly and calm down quickly? Or get mad fast and take a long time to calm down? Certain combinations of these temperaments could work well together. Other combinations would be a disaster. Question three, learning. There are four types of students. 
quick to understand and quick to forget, slow to understand and slow to forget, quick to understand and slow to forget, slow to understand and quick to forget. Imagine a teacher who is one of these and students who are different from the teacher's learning character. How would someone who is quick to understand and slow to forget handle a student who is slow to understand and quick to forget? Imagine being paired for a group project in school or at work with a different character or marrying one. Possible? Sure. Complicated. Personality is not destiny. People can gain skills and work on their patients or learn to be more generous or to advocate for themselves. We can collaborate with and we can love people whose personalities are different from ours. The benefits of our differences working together are worth the challenges of our differences clashing with each other. Think of an orchestra playing. They play different notes on different instruments that make different sounds. When they clash, it sounds terrible. When they all play in unison, as when they tune up at the beginning, the sound is both beautiful and strange, and it does not last as they shift to harmonies to finish their tuning. The orchestra at its best is harmony, not unison. When we choose music for our celebrations, we find a balance between singing all together as one community and our choir creating beautiful harmony out of many notes at once. It's certainly more complicated than singing everything in unison. At this moment, I'm definitely preaching to the choir. <laughs> Harmony is certainly more beautiful than everyone singing whatever notes they want as loudly as they want whenever they want. We find life partners, friends, a community. We join them and we celebrate good times. And then something goes wrong, a misunderstanding, a differing perception, a moment of anger, a willful slight. Maybe we let it go. Maybe we do not. Maybe we forgive even if we do not forget. If the relationship is worth it, proper repair on both sides allow a wound to become a scar. And we add this moment as one more complication to a complicated connection. The Jewish cultural genius of Yom Kippur requires human forgiveness from the person you have wronged before looking anywhere else, be it above and beyond or inside your own heart. That is what we need to do when complicated but important relationships go wrong. How do we make them go right? The Jewish philosopher Martin Buber described two kinds of relationships, I-it and I-thou. An I-it relationship treats the other person as a means to an end, as a thing, as an object to be looked at and then ignored once they have served our purpose. An I-thou relationship is different. We address the other person as an active presence, as a full being in their own right, another personality we can connect with on a deep emotional, psychological, some might say spiritual level. Here is how Buber described it. If I face a human being as my thou, he is not a thing among things and does not consist of things. This human being is not he or she, bounded from every other he and she, a specific point in space and time within the net of the world, 
nor is he a nature able to be experienced and described, a loose bundle of named qualities. But with no neighbor and whole in himself, he is thou and fills the heavens. This does not mean that nothing else exists except himself, but all else lives in his light. This is the difference between listening at another person and truly listening to another person. The difference between glancing at someone and really seeing them. It can be as simple as thanking the busboy clearing dishes and filling your water, or as profound as looking into the eyes of your beloved and seeing them as they truly are. In this room, there are over a hundred potential vows. They even have name tags. We do not truly know each other in the more profound way Bruber describes. Imagine this. What if you came to high holiday services and the chairs were arranged in pairs, each chair facing another? What if you experienced these peak moments of the congregational year not facing me or the choir, but facing the person or the people you came with? Or facing someone new whom you have never met, but whom you will know by the time you leave? What if Yom Kippur was focused on talking to each other instead of listening to me? We talk to therapists and counselors, friends and family, we can also talk to the people next to us. Guiding questions, interpreting a Jewish text, simply looking at each other's faces. There's a reason why the Jewish tradition of studying in chevruta or partnership with another person has become a treasured pedagogy among all kinds of Jews. What we see is different from what they see. And if we can glimpse the world through their eyes, our horizon of possibilities becomes that much wider. If that image of sitting in pairs facing each other for 80 minutes was not disturbing enough for the introverts, here is one step further. What if you came into high holiday services and the chairs were arranged in three or four large circles? You would be forced to face people you did not know. You would be eye to eye with 30 or 40 people at once. Any act of speech would be public. Would that create community? Would you say, nope, and head for the door? A large circle would take even more trust than face-to-face -face for us to uncross our arms and legs, to speak honestly, to connect deeply with that many people. There's a reason that the Jewish innovation of the chavura, or intimate friendship of limited numbers, has been popular in the last 50 years of Jewish communal creativity. It takes more than 80 minutes to build trust and community. It does not have to take a full lifetime either. The alchemy of friendship and community is complicated, and we have done it again and again in our lives. Relating to other people is challenging, but so too is it challenging for American Jews to relate to Israel, for free thinkers to risk groupthink as they create community, for non-traditional humanistic Jews to celebrate Jewish traditions on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur. If we know who we are, we can meet the other side where they are. What we start with one person can be the first step to wider influence. One of the anthems of our movement is a simple song written over 40 years ago by Rabbi Sherwin Wine. It begins with the self and then goes beyond 
because knowing ourselves is but the first step to connecting with each other. Where is my light? My light is in me. Where is my hope? In me, my strength, in me, vegam bach, and in you. We draw light and hope and strength from each other. Genesis put it even more simply. Lotov heyot adam levado. It is not good for humanity to be alone. That is why we are listening, thinking, being present with our full selves today. Whether we are in this room or anywhere in the world, we are with each other. I and thou, that is the start. Shana Tova, wishing you a happy and healthy new year of connection. Thank you for listening to the Kol Hadash podcast. To learn more, support, and membership to Kol Hadash, visit kolhadash.com. To learn more about secular humanistic Judaism, visit shj.org.